With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for downloading episode 156 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can find me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Dean Snell is the founder of Snell Golf, and you can find his products and the great uh, golf balls and accessories that they make over at SnellGolf.com. And Dean joins us today to talk about a couple things. First and foremost, to talk about two new great golf ball offerings that they uh, they have over at Snell Golf, and that is their new takes and upgrades on the My Tour Ball, or MTB. In this case, it's now the MTB Black and MTB Red. I've had the chance to play both of these golf balls at a recent uh, golf course outing. I actually got out to uh, play a little golf this last weekend, which is very exciting, and uh, loved both of them. Uh, They both have some different characteristics that you're going to hear Dean talk about in our conversation today. My preference between the two is the MTB Red. Uh, It's got a little bit higher spin uh, that matches quite well with my low spin driver. And so I found that to be a little bit better for my game. Uh, But I highly encourage you to go out to SnellGolf.com and take a look at what they offer. And something that we do talk about in today's conversation is a uh, test pack that you can actually pick up from Snell Golf, which is a great idea uh, that I encourage you to try out as well if you're not sure which Snell Golf Ball is right for your game. So a couple quick shout-outs to our friends over at the Hacker's Paradise. And if you're listening to this on the THP Radio app, hello to everyone. Uh, also want to give another quick shout-out to our friends over at Cleveland Srixon. Uh, had a great time playing their equipment over the weekend. Their irons and driver and, and putter and wedges, everything is just fantastic. And I really mean that. And I'm really excited to get out there more often this year to uh, hopefully play some of the best golf that I can. And today I actually just got a new shipment in from Cleveland Srixon. Uh, they're the number one utility uh, iron on on tour, by the way, and by no means am I a tour caliber player, but I did just have uh, the chance to uh, receive their uh, ZU65 driving iron, so I'm excited to get out there and try that as well. You'll see a review on the site shortly. So, without much further ado, sit back, relax. Here's Mr. Dean Snell, founder of Snell Golf. And also, I just to let you know, my office overlooks a busy street, so every so often an ambulance will drive by. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I came here, actually, because the office that we have does the exact same thing. Okay. Fire trucks and ambulances go by, so... I left the main one. I have an office at my house in the back in the front side of it, but yeah. I didn't realize that my wife's kids were here, and she's got a friend, a couple of friends. And sometimes they get stuck in the sink, so <laughs> I got they you. just put the little kibosh on that early. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No, uh, we could we could actually just kind of get right into it. I mean, now you're calling, you're talking to me from New Bedford, Massachusetts. Is that where where you're located? Uh, from Dartmouth, yeah, for Dartmouth, Mass, yeah, right next to New Bedford. Yep. Gotcha. Because I know Snell Golf uh, and listeners. Obviously, we're talking to uh, to Dean Snell, the founder of snell golf we're going to get into a little bit more about the new products dean um 
you know, that Snell Golf is offering. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, I needed to learn about Snell Golf was, you know, first of all, you guys have been around only since 2015. And so you, you're still kind of going through a lot of the, uh, you know, need to get the word out and, and reaching out to a bigger customer base, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. When we when we first started, it was really um, friends, and I just get, I did it as a trial thing to see. Geez, I wonder if this will work. And had, you know, had some friends help out in the beginning, so we were really restricted on inventory and and what we could really do. You know, mm-hmm. so as we've grown, you know, over the couple of years, we put ourselves in a little better position, and we grew a little over four hundred and twenty percent in the last couple of years. So wow. things are things are moving. Yeah, ten percent's a nice year, and four hundred and twenty is is a, a very good. So things are moving better now. So we're we're actually looking to expand, you know, a lot of the communication and a lot of the information that we have, and try to touch a few more customers. But it was purposely done that way in the first couple of years, just because we didn't want to have a big, huge um, things put out there in the beginning. Because if it mm-hmm. came in and you sold out, you know, it's a it's an awful situation for repeat purchase items where people come and they're sold out and then they don't come back. So we're trying to make sure we grow at the pace that's comfortable for us and continue to expand at the same time. I think that's smart. And I know that, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to talk to you about, Dean, was the fact that in the golf ball industry, especially the, the, this this segment, I mean, independent golf ball companies are popping up everywhere. And Snell Golf has been one that is continuing to grow, as you mentioned, at an exceedingly impressive rate. Uh, what What do you think is the reason for that? I mean, others fold. Yet it Snell Golf continues on. Is it because of of the uh, fanfare that you're receiving? Because you're getting a lot of it over social as well as uh, other average golfers. Yeah, I think it's a, a combination of a few things. <clears throat> you know, if somebody really wanted to get an, into the independent world and tried to go overseas and have a golf ball made and and put a name on it and just try to say, hey, now it's even better than everything else. Um, you know, a lot of the consumers now have so many applications and ways to test and launch monitors and and you know they'll they'll get called out on it where it won't be true so um then that's what happens a lot of people actually try to go over and they'll try to grab golf balls that are made in one factory and stamped you know five or six different ways and then say they have a new golf ball so we don't do that you know we do a lot of prototyping and r&d and development you know and and so the performance side to it i think is one reason that we're very competitive um, you know, and, and part of it's because of the, you know, I've been fortunate to work in this industry for 28 years mm-hmm. and designing balls for the best players in the world. And that allows me to make sure that to understand, you know, what consumers need in a ball and then how to get that into the ball to be different, you know, distinctly different than all these off the shelf type of golf balls. And then if we can do that and sell them, you know, direct to consumer at, at an affordable price, it lets more people have, you know, an opportunity to play that technology that they really always thought that they weren't good enough to pay for. So now you don't have to worry as much about price, but you can actually try to see if it can help your game. You know, and, and it's interesting, too, the direct-to-consumer model that other companies are attempting, but what Snell does so well, uh, you know, it, it basically takes out the middleman, as the name implies. And, and to that point, uh, you've been in the industry for a long time, as you mentioned, for 28 years. You've worked at some major golf club brands and golf uh, ball brands that everyone would know. Uh, you've been behind, I'm seeing, 40-plus patents is what I uh, can gather from your About page. And so, you know, what's interesting, though, is that direct-to-consumer model, 
you know, uh, allows you to connect in a different way to the actual consumer and the players like me and you and others. And you don't necessarily have a huge presence on the professional side. Uh, is that something that you think Snell will maintain throughout? And I know you can't see the future, but is that is that a, a pur- purposeful, you know, I want to be in the grassroots type of genre that Snell Golf is, is moving forward with? Well, it's a, it's a different business model. So I, I think, you know, for Titleist and TaylorMade, Callaway, Bridgestone, it works for them. They, you know, they, they, they work with the tour players. It's what I did for 25 out of the 28 years. Um, and, and it's, you know, developing golf balls for those players is, is what people get. You know, you design golf balls for them, and then they sell those golf balls to everybody else. Um, but there, there's a big cost to that. So we've had five tour players call us uh, for hmm. product, wanting to play it, and we respectfully declined. You know, and the reason for that isn't because we're bucking the system and say we don't want to be out on tour, but they want a significant amount of money, and they hmm. said we'll get 10 more guys. Well, that means that's 10 times the money. I mean, someone's got to pay for that. So if we get into that model, now we're into the model that the other ones are at, and that's why their golf balls are 45 to $50 a dozen. Mm-hmm. So if we stay out of that model and we continue to grow through the social me- media side to it um, and pass all that savings back to the consumer, um, that's the that's the model we have. And it's different for me. And I actually, you know, I, I love talking to the consumers. I love listening to the feedback. I love seeing it on social media sites. I read a lot of stuff that goes on on the social site and respond to a lot. Um, where the other guy, the side of the business, I worked with the tour players, and you know, it's it's nice to have feedback when people say a lot of nice things about the product and give you <laughs> constructive feedback versus this sucks and you know <laughs> go back and change this and this isn't what I wanted and I'm not going to meet you for testing today. So right. you know, a different breed. They get the golf balls for free, but they're very good and they can make changes to the to the top products in the world to make them just a little bit better you know but for the average player if we can make things that can let them have technologies that the tour players have but design it that fits their game that's kind of the direction that we'd rather stay in you know that's i've never thought of that that's actually a really interesting point you raise about how the tour players can be a little bit more nitpicky with the equipment that they work with and i'm sure i'm putting that lightly (laughs) that is lightly yeah there's there's a couple other choice words i'm sure some of the listeners probably wouldn't like to hear but uh yeah some, some of them are outstanding i got very good friends i still keep in touch with justin and jason day and sergio those guys are, are friends of mine for life and i spent a lot of time with them on tour and at their homes and with their families um and, and it's a great experience and then there's others that are you know that are not so as friendly and you know and i won't get into names but sure. But uh, but yeah, there's there's a complete mix out there, no question about it. Well, it's it's funny because the response from the consumer side, uh, the average Joes like me and you, uh, it's been overwhelmingly positive from what I can see from my chair. Uh, but I'm sure that you probably also get some constructive feedback for your products. And and how does Snell Golf take that uh, constructive feedback and apply it to a new product? You know that's that's part of, that's part of the prototyping side. That's a little different than what I used to do. When I go see the tour, I would work directly with that player or, or a specific group of players on a design, and and really, if it was a feel feel kind of change we wanted to make, I'd work with the players on tour that were feel related. If it was short game spin, it would be certain players. If it was trajectory, it'd be certain players. And now what I do is I I just put a chart on my desk. And I read all the feedback when you test and you put your your reviews out, and other people do the same, um, or some of the blogs that are out there. And then a lot, I get a lot of emails, mm-hmm. and I try to answer everybody if I, you know, that same day if I can. And it's and I take it and I make a chart and I 
I put it in, you know, saying low spin, high spin, high launch, low launch, short game, mid trajectory, um, feel, all, all the different criteria that can be out there. And then every time someone says something on a good side, I put it on one shot. And every time someone says something on a on a wave to make it better, I put it on another. And when one box starts to fill in, that's a voice from the customer, you know, that they're hearing that repetitively. And that's an angle that we can start a new design with. And that's kind of how we did the, the new products. We had one golf ball, MTB. It fits quite a few players. But if there was a change to it, this is the feedback we got. And we took that feedback and we, we ended up designing a new golf ball that addressed the two key issues that we heard the most. And that's, that's how we ended up with the new MTB Red. And, you know, I've, I've actually had the chance to test both the MTB Black and MTB Red golf balls, and these are the two new products that are uh, available now on SnellGolf.com, listeners, so go out and check them out. And I loved both, and I told you that before we got going here too, Dean. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that, you know, explaining how you take that feedback and, and, and make what you do better, and in this case it did branch out into two different distinct golf balls it's still got the mtb or my tour ball um, title to it but there's two different distinctions and and just at a high level what what is the main difference between the black and the red well the feedback we got from mtb were, were three three things the don't change it which was the mtb which is pretty much mtb black if you do anything we always can use the driver spin to be a little lower so we took the mtb and we lowered the core compression on the MTB Black. So that little lower core compression will bring the driver spin down. Uh, we use core technology that maximizes speed. You know, So if we can increase a little distance off the driver and the long clubs, we can do that with softening the feel just a touch, and that's MTB Black. So from, from 150 yards in, it's the same performance as MTB, but it might be touch softer and feel and a little bit lower spin with driver. So not a big change to that. Mm -hmm. If you're an MTB fan, MTB Black would be the ball. But the other feedback we got was, you know, a lot of the players that, that aren't very, you know, high, um, low handicaps and, and really generate quite a bit of spin, they asked if we could put some extra spin into the approach shot. So 7, 8, 9, pitch and wedge, A wedge, add spin to it. So I put a fourth layer in um, into the ball that creates that spin layer inside that really addresses that shot. So from 150 yards to you know 90 yards in that range, we added spin into the ball. And now off the tee, they're very similar. Around the green, they're both urethane covers, but the approach shots, the MTB red, has a higher approach shot spin than black, um, and that was based on feedback from consumers. And the third thing that we did is I heard a lot of people ask for us to make a tour ball in yellow. Mm. So um, so most of the players that ask for it in yellow typically are players that do need more spin. You know, they're looking for more spin, especially if they play yellow balls in the past. They've always played golf balls where they could use more spin. Hmm. So we did it in the MTB Red. So the MTB Red is a higher spin, four-piece urethane golf ball on approach shots, and it comes in both white and yellow covers. And and the price on both of these is absolutely outstanding. I mean, they, they retail for under $32 a dozen. And, you know, the fact is, is you're going to be able to find the right 
uh, option for your game, and you outlined that that perfectly well. And and one of the things I, I noticed during my uh, round of golf playing with both of them was I actually play a low spin driver or a driver that has a tendency to produce lower spin. And I found that I had more success, or at least in my opinion, a better feel with the red. Is there any thought between kind of balancing out the characteristics of a golf ball to match that of a lower spinning driver? Or is that something that's just going to be completely contingent on the player that's using it? Well, it'll be exactly true what you just said. If your spin rate gets too low with the driver at specific launch angles, the ball will have a tendency to want to knuckle and kind of fall out of the sky. So mm-hmm. a lot of times when you when you get into the – I spent a lot of time with Jim Furyk on this issue. He couldn't keep the ball in the air um, because his spin rate wasn't high enough. So what happens is if you're that low of a driver spin player, you've got two options. You try to find a ball that's a little bit higher, which will help your problem, or you can increase your off to your club significantly and hit it higher. So mm-hmm. higher you go – the, the longer it'll go um, up into that holy grail of about 17 degree launch and 1700 is kind of the optimum side to it so you have that opportunity to increase loft you know if your spin rate's low that'll help with distance but if you don't like the look of high lofted clubs they don't appeal to you at setup um, you know then having a golf ball that has a little bit higher spin you know will also help keep it in the air so I, my my recommendation for everybody for choosing a golf ball is, you're right, it's thirty one ninety nine a dozen for us. And what we found is our number one selling ball is our value pack. So after people have played them, the six pack that we have, six dozen, it comes out to about twenty seven dollars a ball. So it's a dozen. I'm sorry, twenty seven dollars a dozen. So it's even cheaper and more affordable. And players split it with their friends, or some get it for the season. And that's our number one seller. So there's even more of a savings. But the confusion part, which we tried to do, is my pet peeve in golf has always been when a new ball came out, someone gave you a two-ball sleeve or three balls, go play it, your first shot goes in the woods, your second one in the water, and the ball sucks. <laughs> you know, So, so I, I was always a pet peeve of mine. So I created a test pack, which has two sleeves mm. of each product. So you get six golf balls of each, and I put a little card inside the test pack, to explain how to really go through a ball fitting. Don't hit it off the driver. It's the worst place to do it. But take it from 150 yards and in, which is where they're different, and find which one likes, which one you like, and, and the performance you're looking for. And then you can always go back to the tee and you know, tweak your driver or change your loft to do something with your driver. But you really want to choose golf balls where you play the most golf, which is 150 yards and in, mm-hmm. and find the ball that fits your game that you like the most. And the test pack allows you to do that because it gives you six balls of each. So if you do lose a couple during the testing, you can still finish the testing. Which which I think is a fantastic offering that other companies should emulate, and I'm glad that you guys do that because you're right. I mean, a lot of players don't really put a lot of thought into trying different types of golf balls at one time. They usually just kind of go all in on a dozen, like you said, or or at the very least, uh, you know, three in a sleeve. And then, you know, I'm one of those guys that often hit it into the woods and in the lake, and then I have to, you know, make a judgment on a golf ball in general with one ball remaining. Uh, that's not a good feeling. That's definitely not a no, good feeling. No, it's not. <laughs> um, you know, what's interesting, too, is the fact that, um, you know, everyone's talking about golf ball distance these days, and, and I can't let you off the show without at least mm-hmm. bridging this this uh, discussion with you. And, and you know, listeners know where I kind of stand on this topic of is the golf ball going too far? And, and you, someone who's made a career, a very successful career in making these types of products, you know, first and foremost – 
I know that you've shared a lot on your thoughts about distances, and I know that you just mentioned that you should be testing golf balls from a certain yardage and in. Uh, the driver element of this, because the, the way that that the distance debate has been framed, it's been off the tee. Now, I know that you've said in the past in other outlets that, and I agree with you, by the way, that drivers all pretty much go the same distance for the average player, usually. Uh, How should we be looking at the distance debate? Should we be judging it off of distance from the tee, or is there somewhere else in the golf hole? Well, uh, you you mentioned something that's real real um, important in what you just said. The, for, I I recommend for the average golfer because to go from 100 or 150 yards and in, um, in, in the average golfer doesn't doesn't have the distance problem. So the debate is not with the average player. When you get down into swing speeds and in how accurate average golfers can be, you know how many good tee shots they actually hit. They're not obsolete in courses, you know, and hitting hitting a few fairways around is a win. It's it's a distance problem is the tour, you know, and 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 I don't disagree at all that the golf balls are going a long way today. Mm-hmm. I do a hundred percent disagree that the problem is the golf ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I did a, an interview the other day with uh, ESPN, and and Jack Nicklaus was on, and he had mentioned that that the golf balls are too fast today. We need to slow them down. Well, the velocity for the golf ball has not changed at all. Wound tour-blotter golf balls were as fast or faster than the balls today. Hmm. So it isn't a ball speed issue. What happens is that the, long, the spin rate of the tour-blotter used to be 4,000 RPMs, and pinnacles used to be 2,500. Well, today we found a way to make the tour balls go from 4,000 RPMs of backspin to 2,500. Mm-hmm. So if tour players were playing pinnacles back then, this distance would be, the distances would have gone the same. But the big difference is, you know, when you watch, when I started in golf, with these guys hitting the golf ball the exact same speed, you know, with the golf balls being the exact same speed back in 1990 to what it is today, there's no difference. But the tour average was 160 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and now today it's 168, with the elite players being 182 to 183. Mm-hmm. So if your ball speed is 183 miles an hour with the same ball that Jack Nicklaus used to hit at 160 miles an hour, it's not the ball that's making it go 26 or 22 miles an hour faster. It's the player, hmm. and it's the driver, and it's the length of the club, and it's the lightness of the club, and it's the sweetness, sweet spot of the club, and it's these freaks of nature that can generate swing speeds of 129 miles an hour. So there's a four-part problem in the distance debate. One is the golf ball has been optimized for launch and spin, and that's been done a long time ago. So that hasn't changed. We've been maxed out on distance on balls for a long time on how the USGA tests. The drivers are longer, lighter, bigger sweet spots, higher CORs. When there's a comp lower spin rate, so when there's a confidence of hitting the ball, you can swing a little harder. The fairways are some balls in Phoenix are still rolling. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous on tour how fast they make these things and how far they roll. Um, and, the, and then the last uh, equation is the player. You know, the player is able to generate 182 miles of ball speed when he when he's playing the same speed ball that was in 1990. So one mile an hour is about two and a half to three yards of distance. So if someone can generate 182 versus 160, that's 22 miles an hour faster. You're talking about 60 60 plus yards right. of distance. Use you know using the same golf ball. Hmm. So. Hey. so 
that's that's a that's a big issue. So it's not going to be solved by bringing the ball back 20 yards, you know. And I really think what you're going to do is create a a bigger problem on tour where now your long hitters are going to win a lot more mm-hmm. because they can still hit at 3:30 and still have pitching wedges into greens, where your short short hitters are now going to be hitting you know five, six, seven irons in, and their accuracy is going to get much lower, and the wins are going to go to the to the longer hitters. That's an interesting take on it, and, and one I hadn't considered. I mean, I knew that even if we were to go the path of what Jack Nicholas would recommend is that reduction by a certain percentage, and, and I don't necessarily know what that percentage should be. Uh, but you're you're right, now that you kind of outlined that for us here, that the longer hitters will just continue to have the advantage. So almost kind of what's the point, I guess, uh, by rolling the ball back. Now, something that you did mention, Dean, which is was interesting, is, you know, do you feel that, we're getting to a point, and I don't want to be controversial here, but are we getting to a point where the makers of the golf balls are going to disagree with the makers of the golf clubs at some point? I mean, at the end of the day, we've got the the uh, course architects, we've got the people that design golf courses, real estate is being used up. There are uh, there's property being bought across the street at Augusta National. They are saying, hey, we got a problem here, but now we've got the two sides of the equipment uh, industry that might not agree on where that problem actually lies. Uh, do you think that we're we're heading towards that dynamic? Well, I think again the problem that you're describing is a one week a year at at the golf course, mm-hmm. and it's the tour event. Mm-hmm. So Augusta's looking for the Masters, and they need land to make it because these guys are hitting the ball so much further, and they don't like it, and the courses can become short. It's one week a year. I'll tell you, and I don't think the club and ball guys need to go against each other on this because I think golf is growing again, which it wasn't about five years ago. It's growing again. There's interest again. I don't think, you know, put put the scenario in place where the tour says, okay, on tour we're going to sell drivers that have CORs that are much slower, heads that are much smaller, and shafts that are much heavier and shorter. So it's going to make the ball go shorter for your drive, and the golf ball is going to be 25 yards shorter based on aerodynamics and speed. So we're going to shorten it up a lot for those two ball and club. So that means that a manufacturer now is going to have to go make those clubs for the tour, which they don't buy them. They're going to have to dimple and tool up all the equipment to make this golf ball, which the tour players don't buy them. And they have no more endorsement contracts because I'm not going to play a ball that Jordan Spieth plays that's 30 yards shorter when I can buy one that I need 30 more yards as an average golfer. So you have no more endorsement contracts. No one's going to play what the tour plays. And the manufacturers are going to have to spend hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars to tool it up this one year that they have it. And then they rotate it through to the next guy gets it the next year with no sales. So what's that What's that do to golf? And then now say, well, we roll that out into the into the population. I don't see anybody. If you if you send people to the Masters on Monday after it's over, f- try to find two guys that want to play the back tees. You, <laughs> That's true. You can't, right. you know? And and so the distance, it, it, I, I said this story the other day when I was a tailor-made. The, they played at La Costa at one time, and and this conversation with the USGA and the distance when it, since since I've been in golf has gone on about 23 out of the 28 years that I've been doing it. Hmm. But they they asked us a while back to submit golf balls that were a lot shorter. But in that time period, I studied La Costa. I took the top 10 players in the world that played in the tournament the, the back-to-back years, and one year it rained and one year it didn't, and the average driver distance for those 10 players was 27 yards shorter. 
because it was because it rained. So here you don't have to change a club or a ball or do anything at all. But if it's softer, it, it made the golf course play 27 yards long, uh, average on drivers shorter. Wow. You know, so it, when you look at um, um, some of the shorter courses uh, on, on tour, Heritage, uh, not Heritage Hill, um, I'm drawing a blank on one of the one of the short courses that they play, but uh, out down in Carolina. But uh, um, it's a very short course. I think 12 mm-hmm. under is the course record or something, or to win it, 12 mm-hmm. under to win the tournament because it's a narrow fairway. So I don't think you have to make it like U.S. Open conditions and really hurt the players and their wrist. But if you have the rough be a little bit thicker, you know, and the fairway shaped a little bit more at, at 290 yards or something mm-hmm. and soften them up a little bit, see how that goes for a year, and then on Monday morning cut it and let the rest of us play and, and kind of study it that way. But changing the golf ball is not going to solve the problem. Changing the driver is not going to solve it. Um, you can't tell the players they can't hit it as far as they do because they're, they're, they're their own people. Right. You know, and then the agronomy is the only other thing that can really be studied. But that can be done very simple with a little bit of water that one week. And I'm not saying make mud on the ball, but just don't let it roll 100 yards or 75 yards, you know, and have the higher players that are hitting these high drives let the ball kind of stop where it lands and play the hole from there, and you'll cut a lot of distance off. Hmm. Fair point, and that's that's a uh, counter-argument I've heard, and, and I agree with. You know, it would be nice to see what would happen, as you put it, if we made the courses a little bit softer and a little bit tougher for these elite players. Uh, Dean, one more question for you before I, I let you go, and I, and I really do appreciate your time tonight. Um, you know, obviously the USGA and the RNA have, have said that they're not ready to make a change right now, but they're going to investigate and continue to do some research into what they perceive could be an issue uh, for an independent golf ball uh, company like Snell Golf. And, and even someone like yourself who's been in the company for a long time, people know who you are. Do indie golf brands have a seat at that table? Are they able to give their opinions to the governing bodies? Or is this something that only the big boys have, have a say in? Well, I think the big boys have a bigger say because they're financially invested in it a lot more, you know. Um, but 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 from a technical point of view, I'd I'd relish and welcome the the opportunity to sit and you know. And I've I've looked at this for years, you know. I've got a lot of studies that I've done and and have a pretty good understanding of what you know working with tour players and what their capabilities are and. And, you know, I, I made a scenario one time when when it started, and I said when Mark McGuire comes to Fenway Park and that short left field fence is there, they don't make him bat from the backstop. <laughs> right, right. You know, he still plays the game from the home plate, but Ichiro Suzuki can have a single or a double and still win the game. So if you do, if you make everybody back up and you make the bases longer and make maybe run more, you know, you change the whole game and the whole dynamics where you really don't need to. So the courses are there. I think they can do some work to it. I don't disagree that there's a distance concern with the tour and how far they hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they could do some things out there. But but if they did some kind of panel or body or something like that, I, I think the big boys probably have a bigger say since it's a. It's a financially invested side. They have a lot of data. They have a lot of studies. They can show a lot of things, you know. But uh, you know, but I, I would welcome the the opportunity to sit there and, and kind of you know talk about some of the experiences of how how the golf ball has changed, you know, since 1990 when I started with Torbalata, bringing it into professional, bringing it to Pro V1, and then kind of having the multi-layer ball be kind of what it is for a long time. 
Yeah, yeah, I, and I think your pe- people like yourself deserve to be in that discussion as well because in any attempt that the governing bodies make to solve an issue, hopefully they don't create another one for great brands like like Snell Golf and others. And listeners, we're just talking with founder Dean Snell, uh, founder of uh, Snell Golf, I should say. And please go out to snellgolf.com and check out the new MTB uh, Black and Red. I've played them. I love them. They're extremely high-quality premium golf balls for a non-premium price, and I think you'll be surprised when you see what that is. Dean, I hope we have you on again in the future. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll bring you back on soon. All right, Adam. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 